Welcome to the Dr. Me First podcast with me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Erin Wiseman. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 60 on Dr. Me First. That's right, it's me, Dr. Erin Wiseman, and you're going to get a whole episode of me. Can you believe 60 episodes? Who here has been with me since episode one? I would love to hear from you. It has been an amazing journey over the past seven months, and I'm just so excited to have so many of you who have stuck with me or new ones who are jumping in all the time. Because really, guys, to flourish in this life, to have a life and practice you love, it all starts with Dr. Thyself. So thanks so much for hanging with me. Okay, well, getting into our solo cast today, I am going to talk extensively about the voices in our head. And no, I'm not schizophrenic, and you're not schizophrenic either, but we all deal with that inner dialogue that's going through our head over and over again. And when I talk to so many female physicians... It's even to the point that we don't always have the awareness that maybe the voice in our head isn't right or that you can even change the dialogue that it's saying. So I want to approach that because I think it's a really important tool that all of us can use to help improve where we're at no matter where that is. And it doesn't take a huge amount of transitions to change that. It does take some work, but I know that you're up for it. You're totally smart. You're intelligent. You're a hard worker because, damn it, you wouldn't be where you're at if you didn't. But I think this is a really important tool to use, changing the inner dialogue in your head, that doesn't require more grinding. It actually requires getting pretty introspective and quiet with yourself. So here we go. Let's talk about this. All right, so the inner dialogue, talking to yourself. I remember as a small kid, the first time I realized that I could have a conversation between my ears. Do you remember that moment, like that time of awakening in your life where you realize that your thoughts were there? It's kind of weird. I love going back to like the psychology part, philosophy talking about this, but it's one in which we don't really approach too much in medicine, unless you specifically work in mental health, you're doing therapy, or if you're like me and a life coach. So I want to bring that forward. And the first thing I want you to think about is how do you talk in your head? Is And even evaluating it, does it have a, a personality? Does it have a certain tone? Because so many times we take that, those thoughts and that voice in our head as absolute ultimate facts, the truth. And in that moment, I think it is the truth. But what we all need to recognize is that if you're talking to yourself like scum of the earth, that is what you are going to reflect into the world. If you're talking to yourself like you talk to your most beloved pet or your children or that favorite little old lady that comes into your office, you're going to have much different results. I mean, it's been proven time and time again in sports literature about positive reinforcement, visualization, and working with that inner dialogue. I mean, all the time they're working with athletes, running those thoughts of the race or the activity or the event that they're getting ready to do, and all the thoughts around this. Because if you say, I can't, 
then you probably aren't going to. If you say, I shouldn't, then you're probably not going to have the courage and bravery to step up when maybe you think you should. If you keep telling yourself that you're stupid, you aren't effective, or that you don't know what you're doing, it just reinforces those feelings. When actually, I bet you freaking exactly know what you're doing. You're just a little timid. Or something's maybe bumped you off your, your high horse and you just don't have the courage that maybe perhaps you once did. But guess what? That's all adaptable. It's all changeable. And I want to give you a small story that really helped me make a breakthrough on changing the inner dialogue in my head. So the other evening, um, I do a local radio show here in Southern Indiana, and we always talk about best of streaming. And one of my co-hosts mentioned that he had just watched the documentary on um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood called Won't You Be My Neighbor? I never really got into Mr. Rogers as a kid. Um, You know, I was in the 90s growing up, so he was pretty old. So I just never really got into it. But, I mean, I knew who Mr. Rogers was. And actually, right now, my kids love Daniel Tiger. So that's more of where we're plugged in. But anyway, I was folding some clothes, and I thought, well, I want to put something good on that's not going to get me revved up and not be able to sleep. So I'll just put this documentary on. And I was watching it. And one point in the story is what I want to bring up to you guys today. It was actually um, Mr. Rogers, his associate producer, who is also a child psychologist. Her name was Hedda Sharpen. And she talks about one particular song that she thought was just so fundamental in childhood psychology that she actually uses it when she lectures. And um, the song goes, um, it's Daniel Tiger, and he is with Lady Eberlein, I think that's how you say her name. And it was actually um, shot in the 1960s. And... The title of the song is Sometimes I Wonder If I'm a Mistake. And so here's Daniel's part. Sometimes I wonder if I'm a mistake. I'm not like anyone else I know. When I'm asleep or even awake, sometimes I get to dreaming that I'm just a fake. I'm not like anyone else. Others I know are big and are wild. I'm very small and quite tame. Most of the time I'm weak and I'm mild. Don't you suppose that's a shame? Often I wonder if I'm a mistake. I'm not supposed to be scared, am I? Sometimes I cry and sometimes I shake, wondering, isn't it true that the strong never break? I'm not like anyone else I know. I'm not like anyone else. And so little Daniel Tiger is singing this. And then Lady Eberline, she comes in in the next verse and sings, I think you are just fine as you are. I really must tell you, I do like the person that you are becoming when you are sleeping, when you are waking. You are my friend. It's really true. I like you. Crying or shaking or dreaming or breaking, there's no one mistaking it. You are my best friend. I think you are just fine as you are. I really must tell you, I do. Like the person that you are becoming. When you are sleeping, when you are waking, you're not a fake. You're no mistake. You are my friend. And then the song goes into a duet. And they're both singing each of their verses. 
And what Hedda brings up in her clip in the documentary is that Daniel's verse is very, that most children and adults have running through their head, wondering if they're a mistake, that they're not like anybody else that they know, that they feel like they're a fake, that they're different than everything that they're seeing, and that they're not supposed to be like this. They're not supposed to be scared or cry or shake or break. And she said the beauty of it on how Mr. Rogers arranged it is that he took it from a solo to a duet. And that shows how healthy mindset really should work. That we never will totally tamper that negative self-talk, but that we should superimpose the other verse that you are fine as you are. And that we like the person you are becoming. That you are a friend and that you're liked if you're crying or shaking or dreaming or breaking and you're no mistake and you are a friend and whatever you are becoming, we like you in that. And that was just so telling to me. I actually started crying in the middle of folding washcloths and matching socks because there was a huge shift in me that made me realize that Negative voice is never going to go away, and that's okay. It has its place in some circumstances, but you can calm that head chatter with the positive and the actual true reality of the other verse. And so I've been really working on lately, whenever the negative thread tends to come to, to say, I hear you, I see you, now I'm going to sing a duet with you. And come up with some other tips that I'll share in a few minutes on how you can do that. I just think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful illustration that I don't know if he intentionally did this. But I love that Hedda, the child psychologist, brought this up in the documentary. So that we can help ourselves with it. Because it really is true. You know, speaking recently with some other physicians who are really focused on a meditation we were talking about how you never turn off your brain. And so many of us think we're failures at meditation or mindset work because we never get to the point where our thoughts stop. But it's really not about that. It's just about being aware and letting it go. And so here's what I want to do is bring you some tips about calming this inner head chatter and how to modify it. Because I think it's more about turning it down and changing the dialogue. Because like I said, you're never going to be able to totally mute it and turn it off. Okay, so my first tip is borrow someone else's words. Many times, I don't know about you, I feel like I should have all the answers. And I should know. But when it comes, when you're trying to shift your mindset start with other people's words. I think that's why it's so important on like Instagram and Pinterest and even Facebook, um, little things that people post like inspirational quotes, um, things that they've pulled from other people. I think that's an innate thing that we should use. We should use other people's words so that it kind of helps like exercise that skill of changing your inner dialogue because you can lean on other people's words and, and then that will help produce a mantra for you, perhaps, or bring in that second verse of the duet. And then one day, you won't need anybody else's words. Because either you will have adapted it to yourself, 
or you'll find your own verse that you need to sing. So I encourage you to find things that resonate with you. Hang out with me on Instagram. I am all the time posting stuff that resonates with me on my feed because I find I need to use other people's words sometimes. Maybe I'm just tired or exhausted or I'm just don't know what to say. So borrow other people's words is the first tip. Second, rewrite your thoughts with substitutions. So I think this is really important to get a handle on what your thoughts first are. I challenge you, and this is a super hard challenge. I've never even been able to complete it fully. But for one whole day, write down every thought that comes through your head. Even if you like abbreviate it. I don't even know if we could do it on like a working clinical day. (laughs) That would be so insane. So I tried to do it for like a couple hours and I was just like, oh my gosh, there's just so much. So the statistics are we have somewhere between like 30 to 40,000 thoughts a day running through our heads. And if a majority of those are negative or self-sabotaging or full of shame and guilt, would it not make sense that that's what we manifest in our lives? So first, I want you to get a handle on your thoughts. Like I kind of started this out talking about. One that I wanted to bring up for an example is I was recently working with a physician colleague and she came to me because she felt stuck and she said, I can't change. And I know that's probably been a thought that's been circulating through her head as she's been trying to process her situation and what's going on with her. But I called her out on it and I was like, yeah, you can change. You've done so much change in your life. You've shifted into medical school. And then every month or six-week rotation, you were changing. And then you'd have to go to different locations to go to different rotations. And then you had to change and do residency interviews. And then you had to change and move to a residency. And then you did a fellowship. You can do change. But I bet that was a perpetual thought in her head that she says, I don't do change well. I can't change. I don't handle change well. I heard her say that a few different times too. So with this tip about rewriting your thoughts, substituting, I can change, and explaining to yourself why, I think is so important. So trigger words for what you need to write. I can't, I shouldn't, other people think, I know that I can't, but going on and on, all of those type of terms. Or if you're using very descriptive words like I'm so stupid, I'm so inadequate, I am weak. Those are all things that you can change because I believe, like I said, you're not stupid and there's no way that you're weak. And the other thing too, getting in the definition of what real weakness is, is having emotions and crying weakness? No, it's being empathetic and expressing your emotions. So again, challenging, rewriting, and substituting your thoughts. Third tip is visual reminders. So we're all different types of learners. Some people um, have, you, you know, a memory that they can just see something and remember it forever. Other people, it's auditory. Other people are doers. And once they do something, they forever have that skill. I say visual reminders because that's 10 where I tend to gravitate. I'm actually a really good auditory learner. That was one thing. If I would go to class and just sit and listen in class and take no notes and not look at anything, auditory-wise, I pick up a lot. Hence why I think I do a lot of podcasts, listening to podcasts. So 
tap into if you are a visual or auditory learner. And what I want you to do is have those reminders up around you. For, for instance, I'm sitting at my desk right now and some visual reminders that I put up in my office is a list of 30 reasons why I'm an amazing doctor coach. And I actually sat down and wrote this list several months ago and it hangs on my wall as a visual reminder that I can get up, look at it, and read through that list and reinforce. Um, another thing that I have as a visual reminder is what I bring to the world. Ooh, that one's a powerful one. And the last one that I keep as a visual reminder to myself is how I have impacted others. And I think that one is a very powerful one specifically for me, but it, because it shows the results, the evidence that I have created. I have a list, very generic, no way to identify people, but of the people that I've worked with or of the organizations that I've helped or of the outcomes that I have produced. And I think it's just so important to have those visual reminders of who we are, what we bring, and what results we have created because that, that is your hardcore evidence building against that negative self-talk that says you're a failure because I'm not because I can go to that list and I can look at all of that. I think that's also another great reason why I keep my diplomas hanged, hung up in my office because even on my worst days, I can walk down here and I can see all one, two, three, all five diplomas that I have on my wall. And so when I'm thinking of failure or that I'm not good enough or what value do I bring into this world, I just look at the wall behind me and I'm like, wow, I did do those things. Those are my hardcore evidence against those negative self-talks. My fourth recommendation for you is fake it till you make it. Yes, I know this cliche has been used so very much, but I think it's absolutely true. Just because you say things a few times doesn't evidently mean it's going to resonate. You can say things a few hundred times and it doesn't evidently mean that it's going to resonate and take root. But I think it's so very important to remember that this is a skill. And guess what? Confidence is a skill too. You don't just walk up into an auditorium, thousands of people for the first time and not feel like you're going to pee down your leg. Confidence is a skill. Fake it till you make it. It's kind of like the first time you go into a pelvic exam and you're just like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I had a um, attending one time that just says, just take a deep breath and jump. And so I think it's the same way as well when we're doing these thoughts. Just fake it till you make it. Take a deep breath, borrow someone else's words, and roll with it. And then my last tip, of course, is getting some additional help. All four of these before are all focused on you, but sometimes we need some help getting out of our own head and having somebody call us on our bullshit. So that's why I think coaching is so powerful because we get entrenched so many times into our own thought patterns. It's like 10 foot walls around us. We don't even know how to, to get out, but by having somebody else there with us who can show us like, hey, this is just head chatter. Hey, that's negative self-talk. Guess what? You don't have to believe that. It's super important. So consider picking up a book about coaching, following a podcast that specifically addresses coaching issues, or hey, getting a hold of me. 
because you know what? I really am your physician life coach because you wouldn't be listening to this podcast other words. So those are my tips and tricks about getting in your own head and making it an adaptable change so that you can live the life you want and, and make it better for yourself. I'd love to hear your comments about what you think about this solo cast. And I want more topics from you guys to help me. Because to me, it's so much easier having a conversation with other people than when I get on here and talk for 20 minutes by myself. So hit me up with those topics. What do you want to know more about? What's something maybe that I've said or a tip or trick that you want me to elaborate more into? If you want me to tell my silly stories, I'd be more than happy to do that or what as well. Or if you would like to, as also, please consider coming on as a guest. If you are a male physician or perhaps you're not a physician at all, I do have a way that you can now interact on the podcast by sponsoring an episode or a group of episodes. It's not going to be the typical sponsorship with podcasts. It's not going to get real commercially because I feel like that's not what we want here on Dr. Me First. But it is a way if as a sponsor you can share your story, you can share about your products and your services in a way that's both serving to you and very fulfilling to the Dr. Me First audience. So consider being a sponsor or a guest. Well, folks, thank you so much for joining me today on this solo cast. I hope that you too can help calm and tune down that head chatter to help propel you and move you into a life and a practice that you love. So closing it up today, as always, remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye.